It's that time again. After seven months off, it's time to step between the white lines and show the world what you've got. Whether you're the man standing in the box or the man standing on the bump, the process didn't just begin overnight for you. No. The process began when you first stepped on campus. When visions of dogpiling with your brothers filled your head, thoughts of glory, what you didn't know is over 180 different teams from around the nation all coming for you all with their own hopes and dreams, ready to tear yours asunder and replace you as the hero of the story. So ask yourself, are you ready? Because everyone wants to say they're slept on, everyone wants to go to Lewiston, but few actually go through the brutal and grueling process of the sacrifices and long-committed hours it takes just to actually make the postseason. Never mind Lewiston. Then from there, in some foreign soil, it takes a mixture of skill and preparation to forge your own destiny. Winning doesn't happen by accident. Winning is for those who decimate the self-doubt with their own need to survive and conquer all who stand in their way. If, and only if, you can survive those tests and the giants that stand against you, then a whole new gauntlet awaits for you in Lewiston, Idaho. So how bad do you actually want it? And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, senores y senores. This is season five, episode one of the NAI Ball podcast. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Season five of the NAI Ball podcast is finally here. We are recording this currently. I am absolutely excited to bring you the fifth year of the NAI Ball podcast. When we got this going, we weren't sure how long this would go, how well this would go, if this would become a thing. And yet here we are, five years later in our fifth season, you, me, and of course, the foremost authority on NAI baseball himself, Mr. Cody Butler, is with us. Cody, man, what's going on, brother? My man, I'm so excited for this season to get underway. You know me, man. I love NCAA football, NAIA baseball. As soon as one season ends, I turn to the other. Uh, with the way the NCAA football season ended, I was super excited to just move on from football, <laughs> jump into baseball, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking some NAIA baseball with you, man. I feel like we're doing our research more than ever this year. We're learning more and more about teams than we ever have, and I can't wait to get started. Man, I'm absolutely excited, and and you know, uh, I think both you and I, being big football guys, are are both happy that our football seasons are are over. You got to play a lot further than I did, so uh, that's that's definitely something that you know was exciting for you, not for me. But you know, this is again our second clock. This is the other part of the year that we wait for. It is officially baseball season. Baseball season for me kicks off the moment that these guys get back on the campus. They start training, they start practicing, and here we are months later from when they first arrived on the campus ready to get things going it's finally here games the nation pretty much getting underway this weekend the west coast has already started cody will mention that a little bit in some matchups out there but definitely 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 the excitement of another season is upon us so what do we have in this episode what's going to be going on in this show in season five episode one well we're going to kick things off as we always do with shout outs and mentions. 
We've got our all NAI ball preseason team to talk about a top 25 rundown. We're going to go over the NAI ball podcast hitter, pitcher, and team of the week. We're going to go over the top three teams that we believe are the top three teams in every single conference. We've got games and series that you need to be watching from around the nation this weekend. And then it's our big series of the week. And we take a little swing out to the West Coast. But Cody, we lost a titan of the sport recently. And LCSC head coach Ed Sheff recently passed away. Cody, his legacy and his you know, on-field acumen speak for itself, 1,705 wins, 430 losses, and two draws, 16 national titles, 72 All-Americans, 114 drafted players, 16 of those seeing time in Major League Baseball. This is as big as it gets at this level. Yeah, I mean, he's literally the greatest in the United baseball coach of all time. Uh, you talk about 16 national titles. I mean, 16 big leaguers. Think about how hard it is for people in this day and age to just get to the big leagues from our level. And he's coached 16 of them. Uh, just truly an impact. Every video I've ever seen on Coach Chef has just really been impressive. Very, you know, hard work. Don't slack around. They don't play games. They don't wear batting gloves. They run on and off the field. They do it the right way. Uh, they call it the warrior way out there in LC, and that's built by him, Coach Chef. Really sad to hear of his passing. And, you know, we make jokes on LC from time to time, and we'll crack the auto bit joke, probably do it again this season. But that doesn't mean we don't understand and respect what Coach Chef did for that program. All the success LC State has this year, last year, the year before that, and the years before that, it's because of Coach Chef. I mean, he literally put them on the map. He made them the NAIA program. I mean, let's be honest, they're the biggest blue blood we have in our sport, and that's thanks to him. Yeah, we, you know, we, we hear teams all the time, and when we have coaches on the show talk about setting the foundation. Well, Ed Chef set the foundation for LC State, and that foundation has stood the test of time so far, and it has been set for a long, long time. So, and it'll be set for a long time. There, there's no doubting that. You know, they're 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 going to be a good ball club no matter what happens, and and so they're definitely going to be, I think, Cody, a team to watch this year, and I think that they're going to be playing with some heavy hearts, especially guys who played for him are associated with the program and all that. It's going to be a more emotional year for those guys who who really care about the results and what happens in Lewiston, Idaho, year in, year out. We also, Cody, want to give our condolences, thoughts, and prayers as well to the Avila Baseball Program. Uh, head coach Daryl Cronk passed away uh, recently as well. Yeah, it's just absolutely heartbreaking to hear. This guy's coached Avila for 10 years, and every since we've been doing an AI ball, he's been the coach of Avila, passed away a day after Christmas. And we're just praying for his team, his family, his friends, the community. Just really saddened to hear this. It was really tough news. And like I said, to wake up the day after Christmas and to read that news, really tough for all of us. And I know it's tough for Avila, their community, and their family. And we're still praying for them. Absolutely. Praying for the Avila baseball community as well as the school as a whole. And just, you know, anything that we can do for you all out there, players, coaches, feel free to reach out. We're, we're here for you all. We're always here. Uh, as I know, I, I conveyed that to the sports information director out there and, and, you know, anything that we can do to help this year, that's what we're here for. Finally, Cody, we want to also send our thoughts and our prayers to Peyton Higgins from Bellevue, the outfielder who started 54, or excuse me, 52 games this past season. Uh, he came out with that he has stage four lung cancer. And so the GoFundMe that was started for him uh, to try to raise $20,000, you know, we went ahead and shared that. And, and I I think the outpouring of support for him was fantastic. 
Absolutely so. I mean, this is just one big community. You play in the IA baseball, you know what it's like to play in the IA baseball. You know the grind, the struggle. And I think everyone just kind of comes together and rallies around each other. And I was really glad to see the support. Uh, I know they had to go fund me up uh, on our NAI ball Twitter account, on Bellevue Baseball's Twitter account. You can probably find it anywhere. And, if, you know, if you can donate, please do. Because, obviously, this is a very serious situation. Stage 4 cancer is nothing to be played with. And we're really praying for him. This guy, like you said, played 50 games last year. He's going to miss his senior season. Just absolutely brutal. But we're hoping that he and his wife and everyone around him can support him and they can bounce back and have a good life together. Dwayne really recruits some good dudes. And so, um, you know, we're definitely praying for them. And if you can go to NAI ball on Twitter, the GoFundMe is there. If you need to find it, as I'm sure Bellevue has it on their own social media as well for anything that y'all might need. If you can give, give, if you can pray, pray, whatever you can do at the end of the day, something is better than nothing. So we definitely appreciate y'all for everything you do for our community our community because at the end of the day that's all we've got this is it the only you know a lot of times the, the people that care most about you are the people who have gone through the same struggles and day-to-day grind and process that you have so uh you know we're all part of one big family whether you went to kaiser or st thomas or southeastern or warner or weber or you know it, it just any school in the nation uh it, it doesn't matter middle georgia ggc you know iusb ius it you're all played in ai baseball you're all one family. The one thing you have in common with somebody who played at this level is that they went through the same struggles and grind you did as well. And this is not for the weak. So, you know, definitely, definitely Peyton, man, we're rooting for you. Cody, we move on here to our all NAI ball preseason team. And before we get into it, man, I really want to just kind of give a glimpse on how we chose this team and really, I, I think, and correct me if, if you don't agree with this, but I would put it for myself in a lot of times. I say correct me if you don't agree with this because a lot of times you and I have differing opinions. But for myself, it's something like 45% what they did last season and 55% what I think they're going to do in this upcoming year. Obviously, we make our decisions based on those statistics, based on talking to these coaches, based on these questionnaires based on what other coaches think, as well as how they rate that player, if they put that player up for conference player of the year, per se, uh, when they fill out their own questionnaire. Also, a lot of that is is based on, on overall metrics. We don't just look at their hitting. We look at def- defense. We look at, you know, just everything in between. So there's a lot that goes into this process. It is not done in a few days. It is something that you and I talk a lot about, go over. I think the phone call where we finalized this was like an hour long. So, you know, uh, that's just kind of the idea of how I come across with my process in in who I would like to see on this team. And not everybody I want to see on this team made this team. You know, that that's one of the great things is having different opinions, being able to, to come to a consensus at the end of the day and decide this is our all-NAI ball preseason team. 100%. This is not the 2021 team. If you want to see who we thought were the best players last year, go check out our all in the eyeball 2021. Like we've already established that. I'm with you on this, man. This is what we think is going to be the best in 2022. And I agree completely. It goes off questionnaires. It goes off phone calls with coaches and just information that we've compiled. This year, we have a kid that didn't even play baseball last year. He's <laughs> on our team. So it's like we just do what we feel is going to be the best for this season. These are the players that we think are going to have the best year in 2022. Absolutely. I think the one qualification is you had to have played NAI baseball before because we have a lot of transfers, 
a lot of guys that that we have question marks on, and it, it's hard to base, uh, you know, just say, oh, well, this guy's coming from insert Division One school here. He should be on your All NAI ball team, and and that's just something that that we've learned just because, you know, it, it doesn't always make the case. Oh, this kid started 16 games at D1. Well, doesn't mean he's going to do really good at this level. Yeah, so I, I definitely think that we have got a really good team. We will kick things off with my favorite position, the guys on the bump, the guys in control, the guy with the ball, and we'll kick it off with our four starting pitchers. Leading things off in the starting pitcher market is going to be Nick Merkel out of Central Methodist University. Cody, he had a 2-1-4 ERA, 14-0 record last season in 96 and two-thirds innings pitch with 125 strikeouts. Our second starting pitcher out of Tennessee Wesleyan is Kobe Foster who had a 183 ERA with a 12-0 record, 88 and a third innings pitch, and 106 strikeout. Our third starting pitcher out of Bruton Parker is Ben Harris, who had a 2-4-8 ERA with an 8-6 and record, 94 and a third innings pitch, and 144 strikeouts. And our fourth starting pitcher is Robert Gonzalez from Tennessee Wesleyan, who had a 180 ERA, an 11-0 record, 75 innings pitch, and 82 strikeouts and then closing things up the man we've chosen to finish it out and close the door is Ray Rodriguez out of Weber International with a 224 ERA a 4 and 1 record 5 saves 52 and a third innings pitch 71 strikeouts yeah, I really like this group of pitchers I mean I really do you look at Nick Merkel he was outstanding last year in Lewiston went 2 and 0 got wins over IUS and LC State uh just really impressive stuff finished the year undefeated tied for the first nationally with wins Kobe Foster seemed like he was unhittable. He had Tennessee Wesley and didn't make it to Lewiston last year, but that wasn't his fault. He threw eight innings, two earned 11 strikeouts. I mean, he did his job in the opening round. Ben Harris is a kid we had on the show last year. Just an insane talent. An insane talent. We've been following Ben Harris now for a while. Strikeout 144. Uh, you're going to be on this list, especially when you play in a tough conference like he does. Robert Gonzalez is a guy that I felt that got left off the American list nationally by the NAIA. You look at the wins he put together last year. This guy pitched against Gwinnett twice, pitched against Cumberland twice, pitched against Freed Hardeman twice. I mean, yeah. he's just been nails for them. He won really his nine final wins. decisions. Really impressive wins. Won his nine final decisions. I mean, the last nine games he took the ball, they won. Uh, he was just really, really good all year. And then Ray Rodriguez, he threw 52 innings all out of the bullpen. He's a true reliever. He doesn't start. He's not a spot starter. He's a true reliever, and he gets it done. To me, he was unquestionably the best reliever in the country. Yeah, I, I definitely love this group of pitchers. It, it's, you know, Nick Merkel's a guy that, that's going to bring the ball hard, uh, you know, into the nines. Foster and Gonzalez might not hum it that hard, but they are still extremely effective as their numbers tell the story. And then Ben Harris, I mean, anytime Woody Hunt says you're one of the better pitchers that he's ever seen at this level, uh, I think, Cody, that's that's just one of the highest compliments you can play a, a, a any player at this level when one of the greatest coaches our game has ever seen says that. Yeah, the praise he got from Coach Hunt was spectacular last year. And I believe right after that's when we got him on the show. And he's just delivered. This is a guy that came into last season with big expectations after a really good freshman season. And he delivered. I mean, he exceeded it. He's a two-way player. He can hit, too. Just really talented guy with an insane arm, just insane arm talent. So let's go around the infield now. We'll kick things off with the man behind the plate. It's Joshua Sandoval from MNU with a 397 average. 77 hits, 21 home runs, and 79 RBIs. At first base will be Lucas White out of Doan with a 419 average, 85 hits, 12 home runs, 49 RBIs. 
At second base is Clay Wiesty, who hit 374 with 92 hits, eight home runs, and 55 RBIs. At third base, it's regular participant on this list, Tim Bouchard out of Kaiser, hitting 405 with 85 hits, 17 home runs, 74 RBIs. And at shortstop, it's Sam Faith out of Southeastern University, who hit 411 with 83 hits, 12 home runs, and 54 RBIs. You know, Josh Shandoval, it's really tough for us to go between Josh Shandoval and Trevor Johnson because they're just both so talented. But when you look at Shandoval, one of five players last year to hit 20 doubles, 20 home runs, just really, really good offensively. And he threw out 14 runners behind the plate. He was very good, gave up less errors. He's just a guy that we really feel is going to be the catcher of this year. Like, I'm really excited to see what he does. This will be his fourth year starting in the NAIA, and I believe he's going to put it all together. Lucas White couldn't keep him off the list this year. You know, we had some years where we considered him. This year, we had to get him on the list. He's just shown that he's a consistently really good hitter. He hit 419 last year, as you said, but the year before that, he hit over 470 in a shortened season. He was just really good. You're hitting over 400 in 100 games. You're going to be on our list. Clay Weesey, this is a guy that we feel that we're taking the flyer on. This is what we're talking about. It's not necessarily what you did in the past. It's what you're doing in the future, and we feel really good about Clay Weesey this season. And you look at the lineup he plays in, as sitting at the top of the lineup, he led the NAI and runs scored last year. I think he's going to do it again this season. Third baseman and shortstop, Tim Bouchard, Sam Faith. They've been on our all NAI ball teams twice. I mean, it is what it is. They're both really, really good hitters, really good fielders. Yeah, no, they're they're extremely decorated at this level for us. Uh, basically, you know, uh, uh, Tim Bouchard and Sam Faith are, are two of the best players in the Sun Conference, and you want want to dethrone them from those positions, you're going to have to put up better seasons and better numbers than they, than they do. That's It's plain and simple as that, and that's a really tall and hard task to do. Let's move on to our three outfielders, Cody, now, who are the guys in the outfield from this preseason all-NAI ball team. Well, the first outfielder out of Tennessee Wesleyan is Zach Hoigason, who hit 354 with 73 hits, 22 home runs, and 92 RBIs last season. The second outfielder is Dylan Jacob out of St. Catherine. Jacob last season hit 451 with 73 hits, 20 home runs, and 55 RBIs. And then the third outfielder, Cody, is Luis Palau from Science and Arts of Oklahoma, who in 80 games has hit 402 with 106 hits, 9 home runs, 83 RBIs, 52 walks, 24 strikeouts. Paleo did not play in 2021. Uh, he did play in 2019 and was one of the most electric players in the country. He did play in 2020 in the shortened season. He is back, and this is a guy, Cody, that has been on this list before, has been an All-American in the NAI before, and I think is one of the players to watch around the nation that if you're new, you might not have heard of his name before. But this is a guy that, A, is, is in my opinion, one of the premier defenders in, in the outfield. And then uh, both you know range-wise and arm-wise. And then on top of that, he's a guy that I think makes a huge difference in science and arts lineup last season if they had him. Yeah, and that really was the difference for that team last year. Just a little bit not quite as there offensively as years past. Uh, starting with Hoyasin, just an absolute dude. I mean, literally a dude. Saw him out against Gwinnett last year, his second at bat of the game, just crushed a home run. Dylan Jacob, the premier West Coast hitter this season, 20 home runs last year, and he didn't play every game. So you give him a full 55-game schedule, that number's going to rise. And play out, saw him in 2019 out in Lewiston, just an elite player. In 2020, I watched him against Shreveport, and there was a game where he hit an RBI single, 
went out in the field, threw a guy out of the plate, came back up the next inning, hit a home run. I mean, he's just an elite player. Like you said, we thought he was going to do special things last year. It didn't happen. This year he's back. We expect him to be an All-American. We 100% expect him to be an All-American this year. We wouldn't have done that without some, you know, uh, a big talk, you know, a lot of conversations with people, not just around that program, but people who have played against him in the past. Uh, Let's go ahead and get to the final two positions, Cody, of this team, and it's going to be the reigning NAI Ball Player of the Year, which, spoiler, we're not going to make that announcement just yet. But we will have a name for our Player of the Year award coming up soon. We will let you know about that when we are ready to let you know about that. But the reigning NAI Ball Player of the Year is designated hitter Cody Muncy out of Oklahoma Wesleyan University who hit an insane 465 with 101 hits, 27 home runs, and 94 RBIs. And the utility player is Peyton Alexander out of Loyola, New Orleans, who hit 387 with 74 hits, 10 home runs, and 52 RBIs. Yeah, Alexander's such a good player for Loyola. When we were getting our questionnaires back, so many different coaches projected him as the conference player of the year. Uh, and 10 home runs at Loyola is no joke. I mean, that's the equivalent to more home runs at a lot of other ballparks. And Cody Muncy, the premier hitter in the NAIA baseball, probably the premier hitter in the NAIA baseball the last couple of years. I mean, he's right up there with Luis Vargas. 465 average, like you said, 27 home runs. He got it done. He hit a home run in Lewiston. He is just that guy. Yeah, he really is. I mean, when you think about premier hitters, you know, you you got to think about Cody Muncy up there with guys like Luis Vargas. Luis Vargas not on the roster this year at Wayland Baptist. That that really isn't a secret anymore. Uh, Luis Vargas has stepped away from the game. We wish him nothing but the best because he was a dude, Cody, at this level who if he was playing 1,000%, he is the first man on this list. Luis Vargas is a player that's going to be on every list we ever do for the rest of time, talking about NEI baseball hitters, I remember. Uh, just an absolutely insane talent. To hit for power the way he does while hitting at a 460 clip, I mean, I've never seen a guy that could literally go three for five with one single, two home runs every game. Like His ability to hit for power and average is just incredible. He doesn't strike out that much for a hitter of his stature. Yeah, Luis Vargas is going to be missed. 100% agree. Cody, that is our all NAI ball preseason team. I really think we've got a solid little ball club there. I mean, it obviously, in our opinion, be the best in the nation. If we were taking that team to Lewiston, we think it'd win it all uh, by a mile and a half. So really exciting times. I, I think we've put together a really good list this year, probably one of the better lists. And shout out to Connor for a really good graphic that he did to announce this team. Yeah, I personally just want to say, Connor, that graphic was insane. I think the baseball card idea was fantastic. I love the concept of the execution. Connor's not shy to be proud of himself, but we're really proud of him. Too. <laughs> Moving on here to our top 25 rundown, Cody. Let's go ahead and take a look at the top 25 teams in the nation. I know that everybody has seen it since October, November, maybe? No, November. Yeah, November sounds about more right because it's way too early when it's done. I don't understand why we do it this early, but here is the top 25 teams in the nation. Number 25 is Point Park, who went 40 and 16 last season. Number 24 is Bellevue, who went 41 and 18. Number 23 is Benue Mesa, who went 32 and 16. Number 22 is Mid America Nazarene, who went 41 and 16. And number 21 is Reinhardt, who went 34 and 21. Any thoughts, Cody, on this first group of five? 
Well, speaking with Coach Torres, he believes Point Park's definitely a top 25 team this year. Speaking with Coach Burton and Reinhardt, he believes that they're definitely a top 25 team this year. So I'm excited to see what Point Park and Reinhardt can do in that 21 to 25 range. They might be able to move a little higher up this year. The number 20 team in the nation is Oklahoma City University, who went to an opening round final. They went 36 and 19. Middle Georgia State is ranked 19th. They were 37 and 20. Concordia, coming off a year where they went to Lewiston, is 42 and 12. They are number 18. Number 17 is St. Thomas University out of Miami Gardens, Florida. And they are 34 and 21. And then number 16 is Hope International, Cody. They are they went 29 and 15. Yeah, I expect to see St. Thomas to move back up to where they usually are this year. Uh, their rotation is going to be really good. They got Chase Costello, the LSU transfer. Uh, you look at Crosby Brinkhurst, a transfer from Oklahoma Wesleyan. He was Oklahoma Wesleyan's number one last year. He's now down in Miami Gardens. They bring back Soto. They bring back a talented piece in Robert Fernandez. I really think St. Thomas will play better than 17. I'm interested to see Concordia. Uh, I know that they lose some of their pitching from last season. Their offense, though, is going to be there. That's a team that's returning a lot of their offensive uh, firepower from last season. So I'm I'm really interested to seeing what that looks like. Eight bats return. It's just a big question mark on the pitching. Uh, again, for St. Thomas, I'm looking at the comeback. We really don't know what Oklahoma City is going to look like at all. And then... As far as uh, Hope International goes, pitching will be a big key. And one of the teams that returns a lot of pitching, though, Cody, is Middle Georgia. Yeah, and they return a dude in Garrett Martin. Sorry to cut you off there, but Garrett Martin is elite. I mean, he's a guy that struck out over 100 batters last year, pitched with a 2-6 ERA in that conference, pitched well in the opening round, had a no-hitter very deep in the opening round, if you remember that. But uh, Mm -hmm. just a really, really, really good player. Moving on here to the number 15 team in the nation, Indiana Wesleyan, who went 44 and 14. Number 14 is Science and Arts, went 34 and 12. 13th ranked team in the nation is Vanguard, who went 40 and 16. Number 12 is Loyola, went 36 and 15. And the number 11 team in the nation at 46 and 8 is Cumberland's out of Kentucky. Yeah, I think Cumberland's is going to play up there. I mean, they're number 11, obviously, because they didn't make Lewis in last year, but they were a top five team the entire season. And I think that they're going to get right back there. Uh, they're just a team with a lot of talent. Brought in a couple of arms from the University of Kentucky. Uh, they're going to have to replace a guy like Brian Leaf. Obviously, he was amazing. But I think they'll be able to get it done. I really, really like Loyola, too. Like Loyola's a team that returns a lot of people. They're going forward, not backwards. I don't think last year was a once and done. I think that they're going to continue to be a power. You know, for, for Indiana Wesleyan, they returned six of their nine bats from last season. And I, I, I don't think, you know, he gets put at a tough position because Tim Bouchard is there, but Denver Blinn is legit for Indiana Wesley, and that kid is really, really good, does a great job, plays really good baseball. Denver Blinn, shout out to him because he's playing some really good baseball. Uh, USAO, to me, uh, Tile coming in, Mike Ross taking the AD job. They lose the best pitcher in the nation for the last four seasons. Uh, but they get Luis Palau back. So they're pitching just like a lot of teams around the country. Big question mark there for USAO. For Vanguard, seven starters return. And, Cody, I'm I'm really not too scared to say that it is, uh, you know, they're, they're who I think is the best team on the West Coast. I mean, last we checked today, they were up on Whittier. Uh, I want to say it was 10-2 to 2 is what you told me. So, you know, I think that's the best team on the West Coast. In California, it's going to be really interesting to see because a lot of people have said also 
uh, UAV is going to be very talented this season. So uh, Vanguard getting their first action of the year and up in that one, seven starters return for Loyola. A lot of returners, like you said, still a very young team. You had two of their three starters, starting pitchers from last season were freshmen. They're sophomores now, that experience. I think that's a team that uh, traditionally that program, not a lot of success, gets their first taste of success last year. And it's it's different in the postseason. You have to know how to win, and and they've got the right man for the job there. That's somebody that helped mold me, and I'm I'm a big believer in what Loyola is is got the ability and capability to do. And if they buy into the system of what Jeremy Kennedy is selling, good things happen. As as I can attest to, two separate times. You know, there's only two co- two there's two active coaches that have taken two different programs to the World Series, uh, and there's only five ever in the history of NAI baseball. So, and two of them are active, one at Loyola and Jeremy Kennedy, the other one at Southeastern in Adrian Dinkle. And then for Cumberland's again, Thomas Gutierrez. I mean, he's, he's really good and he's a guy that's going to be legit this season. Moving on to number 10, LSU Shreveport 45 and 16 is what they went last season. Number nine is Oklahoma Wesleyan who went 49 and 11. The number eight team in the nation is Kaiser out of West Palm Beach, Florida, who went 37-18. and 18. The number seven team in the nation is Indiana Southeast, who went 50-15. and 15. And number six is Faulkner, who went 32-20. and 20. Cody, what do you think for that? That little group right there as we finally reach the top 10. Yeah, well, I'm really high on Faulkner this year. I mean, bringing in a guy like Brian Garcia really, really, really strengthens your rotation. You look at Yuli Sosa, J.C. Toro, their 1-2-3 is going to be elite. And they returned their three best hitters. They returned... Alex Aruz, Sean Ross, and Justice Lucas. So you got three elite arms, three elite bats. Faulkner's always going to recruit really well. I like some of the transfers they're bringing in. I think Faulkner's going to be really good this year. I'm also really high on Indiana Southeast. I think that's a team that's just going to continue to to make Lewiston. Uh, They brought in a transfer, Trevor Campbell, who was elite at Asbury, a really good shortstop. They bring back Clay Wiesty, Hunter Clucky, one of the best pitchers in the country. The can's down top 10 arm in the country tearing it up in the draft league. Uh, I think IU Southeast is going to be really good, and I think Walker is going to be really good. So for for me here, uh, definitely starting with LSUS, I think that's a team that is ranked too low. I know we do this ranking way too early, but that's a team that I think is going to be a top 10 team for a lot of the portion of this season. They're physical, they're athletic, they're a good ball club. Oklahoma Wesleyan has the most dangerous hitter in the country in Cody Muncie, that's enough to be said. Kaiser, Tim Bouchard, that's enough to be said. IU Southeast returns Everyone, everyone from that team basically comes back. And then, you know, for Faulkner, I mean, we, 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 you've said Sean Ross is really good. So they'll be interesting to watch this season. We move on to number five, Tennessee Wesleyan jumps in there. They finished the year at seven. They are number five to start this year. They were 53 and six last season number four is lewis clark state who went 44 and eight number three is southeastern out of lakeland florida who went 51 and nine number two is central methodist who was 49 and eight and then the reigning national champion your number one team in the nation at 51 and 10 last year is georgia gwinnett who receives all 19 first place votes cody this is the top five tennessee wesleyan lewis clark state Southeastern, Central Methodist, Georgia Gwinnett. A lot of these teams are missing some of their best players from last year, but I have no doubt in the recruiting. Tennessee Wesleyan at five, you feel like they're going to be higher. I mean, they have two elite All-American pitchers. They really have two All-American outfielders. If we could have extended one more spot, Carson Ford, 
who we didn't name an All-American, was right there. When he's a freshman, they hit 22 home runs. Uh, you added Hoygus in. Hoygus in the four, they may not bring a lot of offense back, but if you're going to bring back those two guys, it's better than a lot of teams. So I just, I really like Tennessee Wesleyan. Central Methodist, I'm really excited to see how they do. Yeah, they lose a lot of pieces, but they bring back an elite starter in Nick Merkel and an elite closer in Bo Atkins. And Gwinnett, I'm really excited to see what they look like on paper, man. You lose your best hitter, your best pitcher. We'll see what they can do. Yeah, for me, you know, going in there at number five, Tennessee Wesleyan, obviously, in my opinion, has the number one staff in the country coming back. The biggest question mark there for Tennessee Wesleyan is going to be what the bats look like. You're returning two guys in Carson Ford and Zach Hoygason, who combined for 40-plus home runs, over 130 RBIs last season in two spots in your lineup. Congratulations, Billy, you got a 3-4 hitter. But what is one, two, five, six, seven, eight, nine look like? What does the rest of the team look like defensively? Uh, are they going to be able to bang the same way that they were last season for – you know, LCSE, Cody, I think that that team's got, you know, even with the fact that they no longer, no longer have an automatic bid to the World Series, they do get an automatic bid to host an opening round tournament. Uh, but LCSC moving down into that opening round tournament really kind of makes the field a little bit smaller as we are not adding another team into that uh, opening round tournament. LCSC has some really talented players coming in this year. It'll be interesting to see what they look like for Southeastern. I think that this is a team that if it stays healthy, especially their pitching staff, they've got the ability to go a long way. Uh, I think that, that they have a lot of talent. Obviously they're going to play games at home and they're going to bang. And I think that if they're able to bang on the road, they'll be able to, to really hit anywhere and do some damage uh, around the nation for central Methodists. The big question mark, there is going to be the hitting also a lot like Tennessee Wesleyan. This is the number two pitching staff in the country, in my opinion, right now, especially on paper. We haven't seen anybody on the field, but what is the rest of their lineup going to look like? I don't think they're going to have as much power as they have in the past, uh, especially last year. When I saw them last season, I thought, wow, this is you know one of the most powerful lineups I've, I've seen, especially playing in a ballpark that's a graveyard that I got to see them in last season where they hit three or four home runs in just the one game that I watched them play. Uh, I, I think it'll be really, really interesting to see what they look like offensively. I think they'll be more of a team that's, uh, you know, not hitting the ball over the fence and mainly looking for the gap-to-gap type stuff, get the ball down the lines uh, hard and flat, continue to hit the ball on the ground hard, things like that, that, that'll carry them. So really an interesting start. And, of course, Georgia Gwinnett, we're really interested to see what the number one team in the nation, not just – brings back but brings in and who's able to make a name for themselves there as they are looking to replace quite a few pieces as well in that number one Cody others receiving votes in this poll William Carey was the closest with 120 points then Brian who had 106 Our Lady of Lake had 42 Westmont 39 Free Hardeman 32 Weber International 28 Columbia 24 Ottawa 20 Indiana Tech 13 Columbia International 8, Olivet Nazarene 5, Texas Wesleyan 4, Warner 4, Doan 3, Southwestern Christian 3. Uh, any one of those teams that you think makes a jump? I, I know our next poll's not for like two months. I mean, I think Brian can play their way in. They do every year. So I think Brian will be a top 25 team at some point. I've heard really good things about Weber International too. I think Weber has a lot of pieces. The problem with Weber is every year they play such a brutal schedule. And, you know, if you don't have the flashy win-loss record, it's hard to move in. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to challenge yourself. I think Weber's going to be a really good team. Yeah, shout-out to Weber. They always play a tough schedule, and I'm excited to see what that looks like this this season. Uh, I think Brian has has a really good shot, and and Westmont, I'd like to see what William Carey uh, 
you know, is, is going to do on, on the field. I, I think Freed Hardeman is also looking to make a splash this season. So Cody, that is our top 25 rundown and where we see the teams in the nation and what they look like so far. Let's take a look at our NAI ball hitter, pitcher, and team of the week, our first ever team of the week award. But Cody, we're going to kick things off with our hitter of the week, and it's Ethan Bergkamp from Ave Maria, who had a three-home run game, the first in school history, and had seven RBIs this weekend. He actually scored the first seven RBIs of the season for his ball club. Uh, really a great job. It just seemed like every time he came up to the plate, he that ball was just absolutely launched over the fence. He went three for four in the first game uh, and, you know, hit back-to-back home runs and back-to-back at-bats. So absolutely great job there for Ethan Bergkamp out of Ave Maria. The pitcher is Zach Phylos out of the Masters, who went seven innings, pitched three hits, no runs, five Ks versus Providence Christian. Definitely a masterful job to start off the season there for Zach Philos from the Masters. And Cody, our team of the week, the first ever team of the week, it's Arizona Christian, who went 2-0, outscoring Huntington 34-7. to That's a football score there, Cody. Man, talk about impressive. Coach McDonald, he told us that they were going to be good on offense this year, but you dropped 15 and 19 in two games on Huntington. That's a third-place team in the crossroads last year. That's a team that was playing to make it opening round late in the season. I mean, that's really impressive stuff. Arizona Christian, by far, they were the most impressive team. I want to give a shout-out to Bergkamp. He kind of had five home runs and 40-plus starts last year. He has three home runs in the first five at pass of the year. So he's obviously taking it to another level. And Philo is the only pitcher to throw seven innings. Job well done to him. He went seven innings, only three hits, no runs, struck out five. Just a really cruise to a dominant start. Yeah, so congratulations again to Ethan Bergkamp out of Ave Maria, to pitcher Zach Philos out of the Masters, and our team of the week, Arizona Christian head coach Joe McDonald. Cody, really quickly, while we've got some time here in the middle of the show, we want to absolutely say team of the week, new award. The other new thing we're going to be doing on a biweekly basis starting in February is um, I'm putting my inbox and, you know, my my – sanity on the line here and we're going to be doing uh i don't haven't come up with a name with it yet but a, a top 10 power ranking which is just going to be who we think you know at that moment the top 10 teams in the nation are uh so definitely something that's going to be interesting there but uh, we've never done anything like a power ranking before and we will continue not to robbie is doing a power <laughs> ranking just so you know uh Cody's my favorite me with team it. Yeah, my favorite team is your favorite team. So whoever your team is, that's who I would have put number one. I hate your favorite Robbie didn't want to, so Robbie went with their I hate your favorite team. (laughs) No, uh, I I think that, that, you know, this is going to be something that's really good for us, I think, as we continue to move into the future and and continue to move into um, eventually a poll. I I hate to say that. That's that's kind of a scary thought, but – eventually our own top 25 poll, but this is a good start is, is we're going to do a top 10 power ranking. It's going to be a bi-weekly thing and it's going to be something that is, I think really, really good for, uh, you know, us to put out there and begin to get people used to seeing some extra rankings from us. We had something done where we could do an, you know, an RPI type thing. And then we moved away from DAC stats and, and the new website doesn't really work with the automatic updating setup anymore so that's that's really unfortunate uh cody any final thoughts on on the poll really quickly i know 
uh, that's something that that you want no part of, probably. No, but I think it's good for the brand. I trust you. I know you'll do your homework, and I know you're going to put out <laughs> a really good top ten. I mean, I really do. I sincerely believe that. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I can't wait to. Uh, uh, what did we get told last year? We were the devil. Uh, I believe that was something. We were told by a soccer NAI athlete that we were the devil which is personally one of my favorite messages. <laughs> this is a top five oh, message no. of all time that we have gotten. Uh, so definitely excited. I can't wait till everybody tells me that they've been slept on, uh, but yet they're like four and 16 on the season. So top three in each conference, Cody, let's get things kicked off with the AMC, the top three teams we see in this conference. We are in consensus on this. Cody and I have agreed that these are the top three teams in the conference. Cody, are we going one, two, three, or are we going no order here? Well, let's just do no order. No hard feelings. <laughs> okay. No, let's play. We like to play it safe at an AI ball. We don't like when you message us angry, angry things. The top three teams in the AMC in no order, Missouri Baptist, Columbia, and William Woods. Cody? Now, Missouri Baptist, they're extremely high on this club this year. Uh, Coach Ushall told us he thinks this team could get back to Lewiston. I mean, this is a program that not too long from coming off back-to-back trips. They return all three starters, Mason Palmier, Matt Haas, Billy Heil. Uh, they're going to be really good on the mound, and they're going to be athletic. They're going to run. They like to steal bases. I'm really high on Missouri Baptist. Taking a look at the AAC, Cody, we've got Tennessee Wesleyan, Reinhardt, and Bryan as the top three teams out of the Appalachian Athletic. And this is pretty easy. This is a wrench wash repeat. It seems like it's this way every single year. Uh, like I said, Tennessee Wesleyan, they have three All-Americans, one of the best coaches in the game, Coach Blayberry. Reinhardt outfielder Tucker Zunick, uh, Colby Community College transfer. He's a really special player. I've been heard amazing things about him. He's a guy that could potentially win a conference player of the year. And then Brian has a legit number one Cleveland State transfer, Ethan Walls. I'm really looking forward to seeing him on the bump. He's a guy that can really carry that team. One of the things I want to go back to, Cody, is in the AMC, uh, I have heard nothing but really, really, really great things about what Missouri Baptist has the opportunity to do. That is a team that has been to Lewiston before. They are not super strangers. They've been to Lewiston twice under this regime. So it, it's really something that I think um, can make things happen. I'm, I'm interested to see what Missouri Baptist looks like in the AMC. I think in the AAC, you're talking about a competitive conference, but it has it it does feel overly top heavy year after year. I think there's a lot of young teams in this conference that we won't really know what they look like. And I think there can be some some extra competitive teams in this conference as well. But I think still Tennessee Wesleyan is the top team in this conference, uh, far and away. I think Reinhardt is the second best team and in Brian is the third up there. I just gave you a one, two, three, but that's the way I would go with it. Into the Cal Pack we go. Antelope Valley, Benu Mesa, St. Catherine. Antelope Valley is bringing back their catcher, Dominic Embody. He hit 482. Uh, just a really good player for them. One gold glove also. John Rice is a key bullpen arm that has draft potential. I mean, this could be the most talented team in UAB history, which is saying something because they went to the World Series a few years ago. Benu, we were told the same thing from their coach. Deepest team in program history. Casey Lederman hit 350 last year. He's a gold glove winner. And look out for the Norfolk State transfer. Mason Velasquez, he's a guy that could potentially win Calpac Player of the Year. But in doing so, he's going to have to compete with Dylan Jacob, our All-American, 20 home runs over at St. Catherine. They returned 95% of their lineup. Brady Ware's back. He hit 400 with 12 bombs. And Seth Spencer, a lefty transfer from Riverside, he could be key to their success on the mound. The Cascade, the top three teams, Cody. We went back and forth here, but the first two, uh, we went back and forth on who the third one was. 
but the first two are solid. Lewis Clark State, British Columbia, and then OIT, the Oregon Institute of Technology, a.k.a. Oregon Tech. Uh, Lewis Clark State is going to be really good. As always, they recruit at an extremely high level. They bring back Aiden Nagel, a really good player. I mean, they obviously have Greg Blackman who's a really good reliever for them. I'm excited that British Columbia is playing baseball again. I know you are too. It felt Heck weird yeah. not having British Columbia last year. That's a really good team that can challenge Elsie. That's a team that goes out to losing and can sneak off a win. And then Oregon Tech, I mean, they played Elsie extremely tough last year. They played them tougher than anyone did in conference. And Oregon Tech, they're under, you know, a good regime right now. I really like what they're doing. Coach Garces, as was formerly at Antelope Valley, brought that team to a World Series. He's really turning Oregon Tech around. I am a 200% believer that year in, year out, University of British Columbia, Chris Pritchett, they have a top five staff in the nation year in, year out. And those numbers are spoken to by the number of players they send on to the professional ranks and into the MLB draft. University of British Columbia did not play baseball this past year, and they still had players drafted. UBC is legit. They're, if they can get some hitting, they will be one of the most dangerous teams on the continent. Can't even say the nation for them. They're legit. They're really good bro- program. Beautiful facility. Uh, wonderful facilities. I mean, they, they really uh, have, I think, Cody, top five facilities in the nation or, or in the continent, <laughs> you know, between in the, in the NAI. It, it's something that's, that's a thing of beauty, and I think that they are going to have a fantastic season. I'm extremely excited for UBC. Moving on here to the CCAC, the Chicago Land, Olivet Nazarene, St. Ambrose, and St. Xavier are the top three teams there, Cody. Now, Olivet Nazarene trying to repeat as conference champions, and they have a good shot to do it. I mean, conference pitcher of the year, Ethan Underwood, he's back. They're number two. Aaron Gustafson, he was a first-teamer in the conference last year. He's back. This is a team with really good pitching depth. They score enough runs. They're going to have to replace Terry Daniels, who was outstanding offensively, but their pitching is going to be really good again. St. Ambrose, they bring back first baseman Cooper Huckabone. He was a first-teamer, Gold Glove winner. Brendan Butler's back. He hit 316. This is a team that was sneaky last year. They were the second-place team, and they could really make some noise again. And St. Xavier, they, they think they're a top-25 team this year. Evan Orzik, the catcher, hit 350 with 25 extra base hits, won the Gold Glove. He was projected as the conference player of the year more than anyone we got from all the coaches in that conference. I mean, they returned nearly everyone. They added the transfer in Ryan Martin from Iona. Uh, I'm a believer in St. Xavier. It's definitely going to be an interesting year in the CCAC. Moving on to the crossroads, Indiana Wesleyan, Taylor, Huntington. Those are your top three in the crossroads, according to NAI Ball. Cody, what do you think? Uh, we're really high on Indiana Wesleyan. You mentioned it earlier when we talked about our top 25. They returned six of the nine in their lineup. That lineup can thump, man. We, we had them versus Taylor for the big series of the week last year, and they just thumped Taylor. I mean, they wasn't even close. Uh, Denver Bland is back. Colby Jenkins is back. Lewis Gooden is back. These are all conference players. They got some strike throwers on the mound. Obviously, they're going to lose John Young, who's been an ace for them. But the way they swing the bat, I'm not sure it'll matter. We talked about Denver Bland earlier. He was first in the nation in doubles. All that does is hit extra base hits. Uh, really looking forward to seeing them. Taylor, they bring back the conference pitcher of the year, Noah Huseman. 205 ERA, 94 strikeouts. He's a guy that's going to be the front line of their staff. Uh, they're going to pitch really well. Taylor is a team similar to British Columbia. They can always pitch it. They're always going to strike people out. It's can they produce enough hits? Can they score enough runs? That's always going to be Taylor's thing. And Huntington, they didn't have the best weekend last week, but they went out west. They played really tough competition. 
And I really like in McCutcheon. I think he's an all-conference type of player. Yeah, Huntington really challenging themselves early out west, I think, is is a big deal. So that's that's a great start to the season for them. Denver Blinn is legit, and Taylor is one of the best, you know, uh, arms-wise countries, you know, teams in the country every single season. Out in the GSAC, Cody, and this is pretty much just a, you know, as dog-eat-dog dog as it gets, it is one of the most question-mark conferences that we have year in, year out. But this is the way we see it. Vanguard, Hope International, and Arizona Christian. Vanguard returned seven starters from the GSAC championship team last year. Justin Graves, the lefty ace, big time last season. Joe Johnson, seems like he's been there 42 years. He's an NAI gold glover. Aki Buxing, who just terrorized Faulkner last year in the opening round. Uh, this is a Vanguard team that returns a lot of offense. If they can get some pitching behind Justin Graves, they're going to be really good. Hope International, they're replacing their head coach. New head coach for the first time. Tyler Lash, gold glove catcher, hit 13 home runs. Hector Garcia, he's going to step up and be their ace this season. People hit less than 200 off of them in limited innings. I'm excited to see what he can do full time. They're going to be extremely good defensively, and they believe that this is their deepest bullpen in seven years. Arizona Christian, best offensive depth under the McDonald area. We said that earlier. You look at Robbie Campillo, Manny Villa, the corner infielders. They both hit 350 with a lot of extra base hits, and they only had one lefty arm last year. They have one left-handed pitcher last year at the end of last season. That's not going to get it done. This year they have seven. They feel good about them. I think Arizona Christian is going to make some noise. Taking a look at the G-Pack now, Concordia, Doan, and Mount Marty. Concordia returns eight of their nine starters on offense that went to Lewis, and that's crazy. And that is a very good offensive team. Joey Grabanski, the freshman last year, 17 home runs. Keaton Kander, 14 home runs. Jaden Adams, one of the top second basemen in the country. Uh, they have an elite bullpen arm in Nathan Buckaloo. This is a really good Concordia team. This was the best Concordia team in program history, and they may be even better this year. Like you said, we're going to have to see what they do on the mound, but offensively, they can just outscore you. Dome, Dome, I feel like, was quietly not talked about enough last year. You would think Concordia went to Lewis and won the conference. They'd be like this far ahead of you, right? Well, they tied conference standings with Concordia. Dome was extremely good. Lucas White, our All-Americans, arguably the top first baseman in the country. Andy Filer, 14 home runs, gold glove winning center fielder, one of the best center fielders in all of NAIA. And Mount Marty, Billy Hancock, it might be the most underrated player in the country because he plays for Mount Marty. He hit 429 with 16 home runs last year. He was really good a couple of years ago. He was a candidate for all NAI ball back in 2020. Uh, can't say enough about Billy Hancock. The Heart, the HAAC, it's Central Methodist, MNU, and Clark. You're talking about losing your thumpers for Central Methodist, and this is going to be a problem with a lot of teams this year. You take away a Sergio Macias, a Logan Herring, and then you take away Mason Schwellenbach. That is their three, four, five of their order. That is their big bats. I'm excited to see how they replace them. Like you said, we're expecting them to be a little more just hit and run, stealing bases, try to find the gaps instead of hitting the ball. Nick Merkel, elite ace. You got a 14-game winner on the mound coming back. Bo Atkins is special. I went back and watched their World Series game the other day. Him striking out a guy like Brock Epon on a nasty curveball to end the game. Brock Epon's one of the best hitters we've seen in the NAI in forever. So they're just, they got some really good pieces to work with. And Coach Breland can coach and he can recruit. So I really like that Central Methodist team. Mid American Nazarene led the country in batting. This is a team that hit 370 as a team. 370 as a team, just outstanding stuff. You bring back Sandoval. Bryson Sherwood, the third baseman, is back. He hit 400 last year, but it's going to be a completely new staff. You lose guys like John Vargas and Waller. I'm excited to see what they can do on the mound. Clark, they bring Tyson Tucker, a D1 transfer. He's going to be a starter for the first time. 
Is they're replacing Jacob Kerman, a four-year starter. They're replacing Alec Thomas, who was striking out dudes left and right. They're going to have to really need some help on the pitching side. But Greg Bennett might be that guy. He's a transfer. He's going to be their starting center fielder, and he's also going to be their number two on the mound. Coach Spain thinks he could be a five-tool guy. And, you know, Clark will always compete. They open it up at Faulkner. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Taking a look at the KCAC now, another conference that is going to be a highly offensive-powered conference, one of the most highly offensive-powered conferences in the nation, Cody. It's Oklahoma Wesleyan, it's Tabor, and it's McPherson that round out the top three in the KCAC. You know, it's good to see Oklahoma Wesleyan get back to the swick of things last year. Went out to Lewis, and we thought this team all year was really good, and they were. Cody Muncy, probably the best hitter in the country. I'm sure you would agree. When you hit for that high of an average of that many home runs, the guy's just a proven commodity. He's going to go out there. He's going to hit north of 450. He's going to hit you 20-plus bombs. Big things out of Tabor this year. They bring back an All-American arm. They recognize Austin Seidel as an All-American elite pitcher. Outfielder Kelsey Weems hit 400 with 14 home runs. I mean, they bring back everyone on offense but their shortstop. They're excited about this 2022 team. And McPherson, we can't say enough. I mean, Trevor Johnson, James Kennard, both of those guys are recognized as All-Americans. They're just one of the best offensive programs in the NAIA. They have a new head coach now. Kyle McKinnon's going to step up and be the head coach. And I'm excited to see what McPherson can do. Cody, the MSC feels like it's taking a step in the right direction in the Mid-South Conference. UC has been the dominant team there the last couple of years, but Freed Hardeman and Georgetown are the other two teams that will join them in this top three process. You mentioned Thomas Gutierrez last year. I mean, 10-0 last season. He's an All-American, had a win over Gwinnett. Just really good pitcher for them. Braxton Cotton game, a transfer from Kentucky. He should be their number two. They're really high on him. Center fielder Ray Villanueva's back. Hit 353 last season with 18 extra base hits. I mean, this is a good program. This is a program that's been top 10 consistently, and they're just trying to get over that hump. Freed Hardeman, they returned Alex Huey as their ace, the lefty. Had a really good win down last year in Lakeland. Beat Southeastern on the road. Really impressive stuff. He was an All-American as a freshman a few years back. They bring back Will McCall at third base. They bring back Zach Sanders at second. This is a free Hardeman team that probably wants to have a better year this year than last. They were just crippled with injuries last year. When you look at their pitching injuries last year, they just couldn't stay healthy. If they stay healthy, they're going to be okay. Georgetown, they're a first-down athletic lineup. They always are. They find ways to score in just the mysterious of ways. Joshua Duarte, their center fielder, returns. He was a monster last season as a freshman. Shortstop Deshaun Moore hit 324. He won a gold glove. This is an athletic team. If they can pitch it all right, Georgetown's going to compete. Taking a look at the NSAA and the North Star, Bellevue, Mayville State, and Valley City State. Yeah, I expect Bellevue to actually be better this year. Uh, Shortstop Josh Vaughn, conference player of the year, is back. He had 18 doubles and seven home runs. And some big transfers. Conte Kobayashi, the new center fielder, he was a California Juco All-American. You look at Caleb Sanderson, he was a UL Monroe transfer. He started 17 games at the D1 level. They expect him to be the ace of their staff. They bring back McGrange Pledger. He struck out 84 and 50 innings. I mean, they're going to lose a guy like Corey Jackson on the mound, who was a hoss. But I expect Bellevue to take a step forward. Mayville State, they're going to be young, man. There's a lot of newcomers. A cool stat that their coach told us, based on what they have projected, every single starter they have on their team will be back in 2023 as well. So they're young. I mean, they don't have any old guys. Jared McCorister. He hit seven bombs last year. He hopes to help that offense. On to the Red River Athletic Conference, the RRAC. It's LSU Shreveport, Our Lady of the Lake, and LSUA. Shreveport's going to be better on the mound, no doubt about it. I mean, they bring back every arm but Selway. They brought in two elite guys that are going to start for them. Clay Glover and Bobby Baff are two Juco arms. They're battle-tested, playing two of the toughest Jucos in the conference. 
They're going to frontline their staff. They bring back Austin and Nicholas, who is a dude. And look for Aubrey Bajor, a center fielder who played at Arizona State. This guy's played in the Cape Cod League twice. Extremely talented offensive player for them. Uh, for Our Lady of the Lake, they bring back Alec Martinez, who's a first-team conference pitcher. Jacob Mitchell's also a first-teamer. Hit 350 with nine home runs. I expect those two to be really good. The River States Conference, IU Southeast, Point Park, and then Kokomo round out the top three there. I think Southeast went remarkable. They were 26-1 and one in conference last year. I mean, that's honestly just remarkable. This is a 50-win team that got better. Clay Weesey's back, an All-American for us at the top of their lineup. Brody Tanksley, their catcher, hit 18 home runs. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, Trevor Campbell, the Asbury transfer, I think he's going to be an absolute dude. You're taking a really, really good player and putting him on a better team. I think he's just going to produce more numbers. And Hunter Cluck, he's one of the best pitchers in the country. They didn't even have Hunter Cluck in Lewiston last year, and he was their ace all season the last two years. Imagine what that, that team won two games in Lewiston without their ace. Hunter Clucky back, freshman of the year in the conference back in Cade Reynolds. I mean, I like IUS to go back to Lewiston. I think that's a really good program. Point Park, we mentioned it already. Their coach feels like they're a top 25 team. Uh, Ed Fluger's back. Jonathan Rivera, the ace, he's a talented transfer from Monroe Community College. Uh, they really feel like they're going to have a really good season at Point Park. Taking a look at the Sooner Athletic Conference, we've got USAO, Oklahoma City, and Texas Wesleyan rounding out the top three in that one. And USAO seems like a, a question mark to me. I really don't know what they're going to do. It's weird. It's our first time covering them without Mike Ross being there. And it's our first time besides the first year without Colton Williams being there. You can't replace a generational arm in Colton Williams. I mean, what he did over four years will not be repeated probably while we do this. But their offense is returning some pieces is what they needed. Because the year before, they had some really good offensive players, and they didn't bring back a lot of offense last year. They are bringing them back this year. All-American Luis Playo is back. Catcher Joey Pena is back. Shortstop Brock Henderson's back. And they're going to need to produce more on the offensive side of the ball. Texas Wesleyan, they have no trouble on offense. <laughs> That's a very good offensive team. Grayson Barrett, they hit 14 home runs last year. And Tomas Sanchez, a transfer, he has the potential to be conference player of the year. He started 42 games at VCU. Taking a look at the Southern States, Loyola, Faulkner, and Middle Georgia. Loyola is returning most of their conference championship team. All in eye ball, Peyton Alexander to 390, 10 home runs. Uh, slugging Alan Dennis, he holds most of the Loyola records. He had 16 doubles and 11 home runs. And like you mentioned earlier, they bring back their pitchers. Steven Steele, John Blanchard, both top of the rotation guys, they're back for Loyola. I expect them to have a really good year. I'm really high on Faulkner. I think Faulkner and Loyola are going to be neck and neck all year. I think Faulkner's going to be extremely good. You bring back Sean Ross, Justice Lucas, and Alex Aruz. And then you add in Brian Garcia, who started at Southeastern, went to Mackey, Mid-America Christian, and now is at Faulkner. This is a guy that's touching 96-97. If he can throw strikes and they can somehow get him to be an ace, Faulkner is a World Series contender. I mean, they're, they're a really good team. They bring back Yuli Sosa. I think Faulkner's going to be a monster. And for middle Georgia, you have Garrett Martin. And, like, as good as the pitchers are for all the other people, Garrett Martin might be the best pitcher in the conference. I mean, he's just a monster. He's pitched against good teams, and he's a guy that could have been on our All-American list. The Sun Conference features Southeastern University, St. Thomas, and Kaiser. Uh, for Southeastern, I think they're going to be better on the mound, which is what they probably lacked late down the stretch due to injuries and depth. Drew Gillespie, who was their ace most of last year, didn't make it out to Lewis, and he's going to be back. He's going to be their number one. I've heard nothing but great things about Rob Adams. He's a trencher from Santa Fe. He's a lefty. He's going to be their number two. I've heard he's a stud, and they're going to be really good players. I mean, obviously, they bring back Sam Faith. They bring back Abdul Guadalupe, who hit a walk-off home run in 2019 in Lewiston. 
Uh, there's just going to be monsters. I think Southeastern is going to be one of the top teams in the country. I mentioned it earlier. I think St. Thomas is better than 17. Chase Costello is an elite arm. He's a legit All-American potential arm. Crosby Bringhurst, the number one for Oklahoma Wesleyan. They bring back Soto. Their one, two, three is as good as anyone in the NAI. You add in third baseman Robin Fernandez, who Coach Perez told us looks like a pro prospect. Jack Cowie hit 356 last year with six home runs. I think they're going to have a better season. Last but not least, Cody, it's the WAC. It's Indiana Tech Uno in Concordia, Ann Arbor. And Concordia, Ann Arbor, they're super excited about this program. They feel like they reloaded their best recruiting class in program history. Tyson Kleinfelder, he's a legitimate ace. He's got huge swing and miss stuff. Outfielder Calvin Sergala hit 316 and 11 home runs last year. They brought in two transfers, Aaron West and Aaron Brazelton, who are going to take up the infield spots. I think that they're going to be really good. They expect to go back and hopefully win the conference. Indiana Tech, they're going to be young, man. They're going to be young, but they got some key pieces. Mike Snyder made our All-American list a couple of years ago. He's back. And Hayes Sturtzman is expected to step up and be their number one after being a rotational guy the last few years. And, Cody, just because I know somebody will ask, but we did not cover the Continental, otherwise known as the Association of uh, Independent or AII, Independent Institutions, you know, that they've given themselves a different name this year. Uh, but a lot of the same for that one. It'll be GGC, and with Talladega moving out of that conference, most likely uh, Fisher as well as Xavier also moving out of that uh, conference into the RAC, Talladega moving into the Southern States. Uh, so good to see some teams moving out of the AI or Continental, and uh, definitely going to be GGC and probably Fisher. Would you agree? I definitely would agree that it's going to be GGC and Fisher. Taking a look here as we get ready to wind down the first episode of the year, the weekend games and series to watch. Kick things off, Mobile versus Kaiser, Milligan versus USCB, Rio Grande versus Bryan, USAO versus Our Lady of the Lake, Columbia International versus Southeastern. Cumberland's takes on, or excuse me, Cumberland takes on LSU Shreveport. Texas A&M University at Texarkana takes on Loyola. And then there's the Arizona Christian Tournament that you need to be watching. Kansas Wesleyan, Benu Mesa, Taylor, MNU, Embry-Riddle, Arizona, College of Idaho, Oklahoma Panhandle State, the Masters, Arizona Christian themselves, Eastern Oregon, and San Diego Christian. Cody, that one is going to be interesting to watch. And then, of course, LCSC makes their annual California trip. They will play Westmont Vanguard in a doubleheader versus Hope International. All of that is happening this weekend. No excuses. You need to be tuned in. You need to be watching. You need to be following along. Everything going on this weekend in NAI Baseball. Cody, what will you be watching? Well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing LC play the California GSAC teams. I mean, obviously, this is their toughest part of their schedule every year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what LC can do against those California teams. Uh, the Coach Calderon Invitational is going to be fun. You have that many teams thrown together. It's going to be hard to keep track of, but we're going to watch games all day, and that's basically all I care about. And then Cumberland starting the new Coach Ryan Hunt era. I'm really looking forward to seeing them versus Shreveport. You kind of get the Neffendorf brothers going against each other. Brett's an assistant at Cumberland. Uh, Brad's obviously the head coach at LSU Shreveport. I'm looking forward to that matchup. I definitely think uh, Cumberland LSUS is going to be one to watch. USAO, Our Lady of Lake, I'm, I'm interested in seeing that one. I'm going to try to make my way to uh, San Antonio this weekend. Uh, Mobile Kaiser will be an interesting one down in West Palm. And then the Coach Calderon, as always, will be something that will be wildly entertaining. 
Final segment, Cody, of the show here, the big series of the week. It is William Jessup versus Antelope Valley. These two teams absolutely battling it out a couple of years ago for the right to go to Lewiston. They will meet this season and taking a look at what we've got this year, Cody. William Jessup uh, has just started their season actually today. Last I checked, they were up. Uh, by a score of 6-4. They had won their first game against Simpson, and they're currently up 4-2 in the fourth inning against Simpson as well in that one. But in 2021, they had a 3-10 team average, so offense was not a problem. Pitching-wise, is somewhere that they're definitely going to want to improve. They had a 7-3-4 team ERA last season. Takamura had a 3-56 average with 47 hits, 12 extra base hits, and 30 RBIs. And then Marlon Brucato, who actually got the win in game number one of the season today, had a 3-53 ERA with a a two and one record, six saves, 35 and two thirds innings pitch with 32 strikeouts for UAV. So far in 2022, they are three and oh. Noah Blythe is seven for 14 on the year with six RBIs. Dominic Enbody has got four hits, three RBIs. Tyler DeYoung, one and oh, six innings pitch, two hits, four Ks. And Andrew Garcia, one and oh, with four innings pitch, four Ks. I think this is going to be a really good matchup because we hear nothing but some really good things about. Antelope Valley out on the West Coast, and they've got a chance to do that against a GSAC team that has traditionally been up there in in that top half. Yeah, this is going to be a great matchup, man. These teams have played each other six times total. They're split three to three. You mentioned that World Series for battling out in 2018. What a fun opening round that was. That was the legend of Ashcon. That was just a really fun opening round. That game was won 16 to 15. The winner take all to go to Lewiston. Antelope Valley ended up winning that. They basically played three games total. Antelope Valley won that little series, as you call it, 2-1, to one, with a 16-15 third game to send them to Lewiston. Uh, they went back up to William Jessup the next year. Jessup won their series two games to one. So this is a good matchup. I think I like any time we can get Calpac's top team, a GSAC top team, we can throw them together and they can play, call it what we want, but that's a California dream for us. 100% agree. I think this is going to be a good matchup, and, and really it's the start of the season, Cody. It's the first episode of the year. We're kicking things off. Things are just going to get better as we go along, man. I am 1,000% excited. Um, I wanted to because I, I already revealed it on the ABCA podcast that's not coming out till the 7th of February uh, that I was on. Reveal our uh, new award, but I'm going to hold on to that one, I think. I think that's a good idea, right? We just make them wait, just kind of tease it here. Just throw a little teaser out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our player of the year award will be named after a former NAI player. So congratulations. That's all I'm going to tell you. But, you know, we are naming that award and it's going to be, I think, one of the cooler things in our, really in our level. Uh, this is something that, that Cody and I worked really hard to to make happen. And, and so I'm super excited about this. Of course, we have all of our awards, postseason awards coming back. We are having our show. As always, we had a full season of shows last year. We're looking to do a full season of shows again this year. We are super excited about the year. 2022 is off and running. The season has started out on the West Coast, and if you're Ave Maria out on the East Coast, and more and more teams this weekend getting underway. Uh, Cody, I don't know, you know, obviously I think you're one of the best guys in the nation at being able to uh, watch games and know when that special moment is. So I know that you'll be watching games this weekend. I'm going to try to make it out to San Antonio this weekend. We'll see how that goes to watch Our Lady of Lake and uh, USAO. It's a simple 250-mile up-and-back drive that I make in one day. That's each way. Uh, and then on top of that, for sure, 
I will be out there in San Antonio Friday uh, when Our Lady of Lake takes on Central Methodist. And then Saturday, I will be in Victoria, Texas to watch UHV and Loyola. So uh, just getting kind of the tr- Southern Texas triangle there and getting some ball games knocked out. Plenty to watch, plenty to do, man. I am so excited that the season is back. Any final thoughts for us before we close it out here? I'm just fired up, man. You know, there's only a couple of games last weekend, like you said. This is really the opening weekend of NAI baseball, and I'm just looking forward to watching different teams around the nation. It's all a question mark from here until you hit the field. We start to find out what you look like, and we are fired up for it. The NAI Ball Podcast is back. This has been season number five. Thank you guys for giving us five seasons. I can't believe we're here for a fifth year. Not bad for a little niche show. Episode number one, and for all of us here at NAI Ball, for Connor Darnell, for Cody Butler, for myself, Robbie Gutierrez, you can reach us at NAI Ball on Twitter, as well as Instagram, for anything that you might need all season long. And ladies and gentlemen, you can reach me at RobG1063. Cody, I didn't even introduce myself at the beginning of the show, I don't think, because at this point, we just feel like you should know. Like 100%. Like, if you don't know who Robbie Gutierrez is, what are you doing here? But you can still stay. I mean, you don't have to know him to listen to the show, I guess. I shouldn't say that. Get out. No, I'm just... Uh, no, yeah, I, I just... It just dawned on me right there. I just broke radio rule number one, but but you know what? The podcast is supposed to be informal, and that's the way I like to have it. And, and you know, it's a conversation between you, me, and everybody listening at home or, or in the clubhouse or in their office That that's, you know, checking this out. When we started this after the first season, we didn't know what season two would look like or what season three or season four, especially after season three. Uh, you know, we had a, a COVID and, and just so many different things. One year we had a lot of illnesses. It was the year before COVID. We had a lot of illness uh, where you and I were constantly getting sick. And, uh, you know, we're just, man, I'm super thankful that that this is year number five. So I'm Robbie Gutierrez for Cody Butler and Connor Darnell. We definitely thank you all for listening along. We will see you next week for episode two of the NAI Ball Podcast. Until then, have a great day and an even better tomorrow.